Hi everyone, this is Nikki Gamer for Catholic Relief Services, and welcome back to Behind the Story, a podcast series that invites you to celebrate the people behind 75 years of our history, the people we serve, our partners, our staff, and especially supporters like you who make our work possible. In our last episode, we spoke to Donal Riley, our Director for Humanitarian Response, about how we've become a leader in emergency response. But today, we'll be talking about a little-known piece of our history, one that helped more than 100,000 people right here in the U.S. We'll be talking about the 1960s, when CRS worked with other Catholic agencies and churches across the United States to welcome and support Cuban refugees. From our office in Miami's Freedom Tower, CRS registered more than 124,000 Cuban refugees and resettled more than 57,000 between 1961 and 1965. Thousands of them were unaccompanied children. This was our last refugee resettlement project in the United States. We'll be talking to the Trujillo family about their experiences. Michael Trujillo, a relationship manager in our church engagement department, and his parents, Annie and Raul Trujillo of Atlanta, who were both helped by CRS in the early 60s. Annie, Raul, Michael Trujillo, welcome to Behind the Story. We are so glad to have you. Oh, thank you for having us. All right, so I've noticed you have a very playful dynamic, and so I wanted to just start with Michael. Tell, tell us about your parents. Yes, my parents have been together for more than 50 years, but what I think what's awesome about them is they can be serious when they need to, but also be fun when they need to. So sometimes I'll come up here to watch the Latin awards shows, and my mom and I will dance, but then we can also be serious, and then we can go and celebrate God at mass or different um, cultural celebrations. Wow, okay, 54 years of marriage, Raul and Annie. Raul, how does a relationship last for so long? <laughs> I'd give her a medal for patience and understanding, but I mean, it's been great. I see you shaking your head, Annie. <laughs> What's your take? How have you lasted? Well, I think you had to learn how to listen more than talk, how to remember then the things and really make you get together and uh, pray a lot. <laughs> mm. Yeah, faith plays an important part of your family. Does anybody want to talk about that? My dad is the official <laughs> prayer person anytime we get together as a family. Oh, All right, well, Dad, you're up. up. Well, I think the faith has been ingrained in our lives from when we were kids. We both went to uh, Catholic schools. When we came to the United States, I think we saw the fact that the church in Atlanta was really kind of a, a small community. We were only 3% of the population of Atlanta, and we were involved in some of the uh, activities, especially when the Cuban exiles came to Atlanta. Annie, do you have anything to add? I think what really kept us together, it was the same faith, and practicing the same faith. We didn't have to fight for that. That you have problems like everybody else, but faith, you put us in the same road to keep on going. All right, so Annie, I want to talk for a minute about your arrival to the United States. So tell us how old you were 
and tell us what that journey was like for you. Were you alone or were you with other family? When I first arrived in the United States, um, I was 18 and I went directly to Miami where uh, family, friends of my mom, you know, told me to, to come over and, you know, we can be there till, <laughs> till I found something else. <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, uh, I was looking for jobs. Now, did you speak English? Very little. I could read and write, but it was uh, the hardest thing for me. What were you feeling at the time when you first made that journey? Uh, I felt very lonesome. Even though I, you know, went to a house and I knew everybody and there were a lot of people, but you know, you can be lonesome among a hundred people. But uh, at the same time, I knew that I will see my, my parents soon. And I think that kept me going. Because they were gonna come after. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> and I always have that hope, you know, in front of me and I say, they're coming, they're coming. All right, so, so when you got to the U.S., when you arrived in Miami, how did you get resettled? Okay, uh, the next day after I got to Miami, they told me I had to go to the refugee center. And the first thing they say, what the denomination are you? And they to I told them Catholic. And they sent me to Catholic Relief Services. That's amazing. So CRS helped you at this time, at this incredibly difficult time in your life. And now your son works for CRS. That's just a crazy coincidence. And that's the way I found out. Then uh, that was the agency who helped me because um, Michael saw a letter that they sent me to give me the waiver visa to my parents. And Michael said, look, this is the same company I work for. Wow, so Raul, now tell us about your journey here into the U.S. In my case, it was my uncle who was already left Cuba and with his family. That time in Cuba, I was working. They also studied architecture at the University of Havana. In order to leave Cuba, I had to quit both my work and my studies. So finally, in September 62, uh, I left Cuba, arrived in Miami. There was my uncle waiting for me. I could not go to live in his house because his house was packed with people. So he gave me a little money, uh, I think two, three dollars in a little envelope and said, that there's some coins that you can call me if you need something because uh, you might need to find also he tried to find me a, a room at a hotel, actually rented a bed at a hotel. I was 23 at that time. I learned that we can go to the refugee center, which was located at the uh, Freedom Tower in downtown Miami, and I was interviewed. There were four agencies really helping Cuban refugees, and one of them was a Catholic, the other one was a Protestant, uh, another Jewish. When they assigned me to the Catholic, because I was a Catholic, um, I was interviewed, and in, later on, as Annie said, years later, I realized and I found out that these uh, letters that they had next to the interview were CRS, as Catholic Relief Services. So here we are, Michael, years later, there was the guy who was really involved now with Catholic Relief Services. It's, in, it's an incredible story. So both of you were resettled by CRS. And, yes, and Michael now works for CRS. Right. 
So what I hear in your stories and is this idea that refugees, they have to leave everything behind, completely change their lives. Yeah, I think that's important really too because nobody really wants to leave their country and their families and friends and all that. Really, when I was in Cuba, I really never expected to be living in the United States. I think what's amazing about the American community is that we're a loving community. So I think it's amazing when I travel the Southeast, I see people opening their hearts and minds to migrants and refugees. All migrants and refugees want is to build a better life for themselves. All people here in the United States want to build a better life for themselves. So when they see that we are exactly the same, we should not let the place that you're born determine the person that you're going to be. Michael, tell me about how your parents' journey here to the U.S. has shaped your own life because you were born here. I feel like I grew up in a bicultural community. So family being Cuban, but then my studies were all in English and many of my friends were American, but many were African-American, Asian-American, Latin American. My parents have been able to thrive here in the United States. They've been able to be productive in this community, just like many of the other uh, migrants, refugees that have arrived here in the United States. So I feel like their journey helped shape me. No one's gonna hand you something. You have to go look for a job. You have to go look and apply to different schools. So I think, you know, they fought for what they had and it just kind of gives me that drive to continue fighting, not only for me, but to help others learn how to fight. Is that why you work for CRS now? Definitely, I work for CRS because it's an organization that's helping to fight for other people. And it's helping people to get those skills and tools to better themselves. When you hear how, how deeply felt your mom is about the, the being Cuban and Cuban-American, what comes up for you? I'll start to cry sometimes when she starts to cry. <laughs> um, <laughs> Going to a celebration we have each year, it's Our Lady of Charity. It's a Catholic celebration we have here. I see the Cubans come together to pray, but I also see the Cubans come together to recognize the beauty of the Cuban culture. And I, I just see the Cuban community just smiling, laughing, eating some pastries together, singing songs together, and it's just, it's awesome. And I know that once this generation gets a little bit older and older and maybe unable to travel and move, I know that my siblings and I need to be the one to carry that banner to represent our Cuban culture. We can't forget where we're from. The Catholic Church is the organization that gave my parents hope. And I hope and pray that Catholics will continue to be that source of hope for migrants and refugees. Michael, Annie, Raul, thank you so much for sharing your story with us and for inviting us into your home. Oh, thank you for having us. Join us next month when we talk about a very difficult time, April 1994, when the Rwandan genocide shocked the world and pierced the heart of the CRS family. Until then, check us out online at 75.crs.org. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. Thank you so much for listening.